it's a lesson that I do think that everyone learns at some point in their life. I just don't know when I would have learned it had I not had a cancer diagnosis. So much of swimming, so much of my entire life really has been prospective. It has been preparing for what's coming in the future. And then this was really a huge dose of being retrospective. Hey, did I live my life the way I wanted to live it? Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling, and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I'm co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Maria, as you know, now is the time we introduce our guest. And even though we are going to give him a nice introduction, he really is one of the swimmers, the few swimmers that just doesn't need an introduction. That's right. Today, we are going to be talking with Nathan Adrian whose name goes right alongside of Michael Phelps, Katie Ledecky, and Natalie Coughlin as some of the U.S.'s greatest Olympians. Uh, but for our friends listening that for some reason don't know Nathan Adrian, um, I will tell you that Nathan is a multiple-time Olympic champion, that he is uh, most in the most competitive events. So Nathan is a sprint freestyler. His heart-stopping Olympic victory in the 140 meter freestyle in 2012 by one one hundredth of a second had my husband and I jump off the couch and <laughs> scream and hug each other because you were the first American to win that since 1988, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, so that was amazing. Um, and it, it's still one of the most memorable races in Olympic history. Then in 2016, Nathan was on the podium again twice individually for the 1500 free in total, Nathan has five Olympic gold medals, 27 gold medals in international competition. And I've heard many refer to Nathan as the sprinting goat, which is the greatest of all time, which I definitely agree with. But Maria, before we let Nathan go crazy here and talk with us, um, give us a little bit more uh, up, uh, important facts on Nathan that our listeners are going to love. Sure, Kelly. Nathan's one of our top professional swimmers. He's really making a living at it. He swims for the LA Current Pro Team, and his main sponsor is Speedo. Collegiately, Nathan was a multiple-time NCAA champion for Cal Berkeley and, impressively, was recently their winter commencement speaker in 2018. And as champions do, Nathan has recently battled back to the top of the health podium after getting a testicular cancer diagnosis, but catching it early and returning quickly to training and fast swimming. What an honor and pleasure we're all in for today to be able to chat with Nathan. So without further delay, let's bring him in. Nathan, welcome to Champions Mojo. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, Nathan, we're starting off a new year and a new decade. And just want to start off by what thoughts come up for you when we say 2020? Ha. Um, huh. my gosh. I mean, it is funny. I guess I didn't think about it being like the new decade until I saw the like social media posts about like, oh, my gosh, that's right. Like the 2010s are now over. And then 2020, I get, you know, I think for all of us that are, you know, currently in the, the I, I call it the quad cycle because, you know, our, our lives revolve around this four-year cycle. 2020 was just kind of like, the, like each, each Olympics is kind of its own endpoint. So for me, 2020 basically means Tokyo Olympics. And then after that, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're obviously excited about the 2020 Olympics and, you've, you know, but, but, what else is exciting to you about the future? Yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of work recently. I, uh, with an old training buddy of mine who I swam with at Cal, we purchased a swim school up in uh, San Rafael in Marin County. So we're, we're kind of taking that, trying to, trying to take what they've already done and grow it a little bit and try to, you know, 
I've, I've been involved with the USA Swimming Foundation for uh, my entire professional career now, and I'm uh, trying to spread the importance of, uh, of swim lessons. And, uh, you know, this is just kind of taking that a step further um, to helping to tr provide those lessons for the community. And it's been a really, really great, really rewarding experience. That's great. I always knew that after swimming was done, I would, I wasn't just, you know, walking away from the pool, leaving my cap and goggles and, and dropping them forever in, in, in some sort of dramatic fashion. And, and this way I, I get to kind of keep one foot in, one foot out and, and try to, you know, take some of the lessons that I, I learned and give it to, give that as a gift to, to younger kids. And hopefully, you know, they take what I learned and, and take it way, way, way further than I've even taken it. Because that, that's what I feel like the older generation of swimmers had, had done to me, um, you know, as, as I was going through as a young national teamer on like 2008, 2009, um, watching Natalie, watching Jason, watching Dara and Michael, you know, those, those guys were just so incredible and, and, and amazing just library of knowledge to, to watch and try to emulate and, and, and take, you know, what, what I thought I, I could, you know, learn from them and, and make it my own. So how involved do you think you'll be in that? We've been pretty involved so far in a good way, just because as, as with any, you know, it, and it's not necessarily a startup, it's, it's been running for 60 years, but, um, you know, Will and I kind of want to take it and make it our own and, and, and grow it. As with any business, you kind of wear a lot of different hats. You know, one day I'm, Trying to trying to pretend to understand you know eight different Excel spreadsheets. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have friends you know who are who are very gifted uh, financial you know people that that help me out to understand those things. Or putting on my insurance broker hat and trying to figure out you know the the best way about insurance, and then you know pretending to um, you know be a be a a general contractor and trying to find people to fix this that or the other. It's 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 all really fun, exciting um, stuff, and I'm I'm very grateful you know, for swimming and swimming through college, because those two things taught me kind of how to how to approach problems and how to tackle them. So I can take that mentality into, you know, our, our little small business. Beautiful. Now, will, will you be actually blowing bubbles in the pool ever? With yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not I mean, I'm not, I can't. A little bit here and there and, and doing and doing probably a little bit of, you know, private lessons when when the time comes as as you know, my time in the pool training for the Olympics, you know, kind of winds down um, and my time in the pool, you know, helping to helping to teach, um, you know, takes a little bit more uh, of, a, of, a, of a spotlight. I'll, I'll be I'll be doing a little bit of that. Definitely. Cool. Sounds like you've had some so that, that these these uh, new skills you're learning has been sort of a different kind of challenge for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're there. I think it's, it's interesting. And I, I, I watch it a little bit in, in those who are um, some of the younger athletes, this, this cycle of swimming in college and being really, really excited to just be done with schoolwork and just focus on swimming. And it, it works out really, really well for almost everyone because being able to just focus on swimming is, is great focus on recovery, focus on nutrition, focus on, you know, getting the right amount of sleep. And then, you know, as, as with all of us, I think the, just the, the kind of innate human nature, like wanting to continue to grow in some way, shape or form, it, it's, it's kind of like uh, inception. It's like this little like seed in the back of our heads. And I, I, I've spoken with a lot of national teamers who are like, man, I, I don't know what, what that is for me. And I'm like, hey, like, you know, enjoy this and it'll pop up, you know, because I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be, you know, purchasing and, and running a swim school. And, and you know, I, I find that, you know, as, as much as I, as I dream about, you know, success at the Olympics, I, I, I also dream about, you know, fun, new ideas for, you know, teaching kids how to swim. So that's, that's what's really cool about this for me is that it, it it's it's a way to kind of you know grow on a personal level and then also just have something else to engage in because as a lot of us i think would tell you too that you know having only swimming and, and swimming be your only thing that you're doing can be can be tough because there are going to be times that no matter how hard you try you know how perfect your nutrition is how many massages you get a week you know, something might, there might be a hiccup, you might hit a speed bump, uh, you might, you know, not be dropping the times in practice that you want to, maybe you're sick, or maybe you, you know, an injury happens, I, I don't know what it may be, but it, 
I'll tell you this, if you swim for long enough, it'll happen. And it's really important to have something else going in your life to, to lean on for that time. Um, you know, that little bit of a lull and, and still maintain, you know, going to practice and, and doing your weights and all, all that good stuff. And, and the swimming portion will pick up. Uh, you just got to give it a little bit of time. So we went into that, that answer there as an obstacle. And we don't want to talk too in depth about your recovery from cancer because that story is out there and we like to be kind of fresh. Um, so if cancer, you know, coming back from this um, cancer diagnosis and, and recovery, and like we inter introduced you, you're, you're already back swimming great, swimming fast. Was that the biggest obstacle so far in your life? And if not, what has been? Yeah, no, so far, definitely. <laughs> you know, I, I had I had a couple pretty like poignant moments in the in the last month or so, and and I, I still have a few coming up because um, last year at this time I'm pretty. I would have to look at the calendar, but I'm pretty sure last year at this time I would be just getting back in the water a little bit, but I would be getting back in the water in preparation for my second surgery. So it was it was a tough time. I still had I still had cancer in me. I still had further treatments to go till we were done. You know, I was still digesting this entire thing. We were still kind of mulling over our options in terms of what treatment would look like based off of pathology. And, and that was, that was, you know, when people ask me what the most surprising thing about, you know, the, the diagnosis or cancer was, is, is how much of a gray area there is when it comes to, you know, your, your health and your health outcomes based off of, you know, your treatments or your, or, or, you know, you, I guess your prognosis too. I mean, it's, it's, it was really good for me as a numbers person to have taken a couple of statistics courses in my public health education. So I could digest it and understand that, Hey, 80%, 90% means 80% or 90%. You know, we don't know today. Like I, I could, it could be perfect or it could come back. And, and, and I have to be able to understand and digest that and live with that. Be, because that's the only thing you, you really can do. And unfortunately, you can't control it all. <laughs> we always want to control everything, but just it doesn't work that way. What do you think your biggest lesson from this? I think, you know, the biggest lesson in this whole thing was just how finite our, our time on earth is as humans. You know, I died. <laughs> I, I don't know how, how existential you guys want to get about this. Um, we love it. We love it. Take, take, take us all the way down. Yeah, but uh, it's, 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 just, it's, a, it's a lesson that I do think that everyone learns at some point in their life. I just don't know when I would have learned it had I not had a cancer diagnosis. And, and like you, you end up looking like so much of so much of swimming so much of my entire life really has been prospective it has been preparing for what's coming in the future and then this was really a huge dose of being retrospective hey did i live my life the way i wanted to live it and and so far i i am very happy in saying yes for the most part i i did certainly there are some things that you know i i would go back and change you know just be nicer to to people on the street or whatever it may be, but you know, for the most part, you know, I, I was I, I was at peace with that, and and that was a that was a good lesson to 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 go through for me. Um, and then I guess you take that retrospective look and and then take it prospective, like, hey, so you know, fortunately, knock on wood, things are looking good. I still have close surveillance for the next year. So that like it could come back. I mean, I, I think my next uh, MRI is in two months. That could mean that in two months and a week, I could be going into chemo. But that being said, you know, how, how are we going to make sure that, you know, when, when the end of the time here does come, like I, I do feel good about, you know, what, how we spent our time on earth. Like that's, I don't know. It's, it gets a little bit, a little bit crazy because my life has, has typically been study hard, get good grades, swim hard in practice, lift hard in the weight room, swim fast. You know, it's, uh, it, 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 this is a much bigger scale uh, of, of, you know, thoughts and processes going, going through my head. One of the gifts that cancer gives is it, it 
I've had experience with cancer in my family is that it helps you know what's important, right? So when, how did you answer that question when you got? Absolutely. It, it is. I'd say the short of it is that I, I do know definitively now that at the end of my life, I don't care how many gold, silver, bronze medals I have at the Olympics. And I, and I don't mean that in order to minimize what I'm trying to do and, and you know, what we're trying, our goals for this summer. Um, because in the in the broad in the much bigger bigger piece like that is that is ultimately important that's what I what I focus on but it's not because I I want to have x number of gold medals or x number of of you know American records or or whatever it may be I think this is this has always been fun for me it's been a, a passion project and and why I love doing it is because it's like it's this like fun optimization like puzzle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys who like the second I sit in like the dentist office, I look for like the little fidget spinner, spinners or like little toys and stuff on the table. And, and that's kind of like, that's how I approach, you know, swimming at this point, especially as I, I get a little bit older, it, it seems that, you know, the old, you know, what, what had worked for me in the past doesn't always necessarily work for me now. Uh, you know, my body has adapted to those stimuli. So we got to figure out different ways to stimulate, stimulate my body to, to try to adapt and get faster. So um, that's, that is what is fun about this for me. Nice. So Nathan, you're obviously a huge inspiration to everybody, even before your cancer diagnosis. So you, you've been to three Olympics. You were the, you know, co-captain of the Olympic team up close and personal. You have watched some of our greatest performances in, in the last three Olympics. Um, what storyline sticks out for you? There's a lot of, I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of different people. I think I, I, there's a little bit of an allusion to it earlier when I was talking about um, being able to watch some of the athletes that I got to watch um, in my younger days, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily one person that I saw and I want to emulate them. I want to be just like Natalie. I want to be just like Gary Hall Jr. It was more like I saw certain aspects of, of who they were because I knew I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm me, you know, there's like there's certain parts of me that, you know, are probably gonna, it, it just take a lot of effort to change. And I don't necessarily want, want to do that. So I take aspects of, of people or their stories. And, and I feel like I try to, I, I am inspired by that. And I mentioned, you know, Gary Hall Jr. I think his, his work with, you know, juvenile diabetes is, is, is awesome. I, I had went to uh, college with an athlete on the crew team who unfortunately, you know, passed away from lung cancer and, and, and through her battle, you know, they went on to contend for an NCAA title and crew. And, and that was unbelievably inspiring to me, just, you know, watching that happen and, and her, you know, passion for her teammates and, and life. And, and it, it was, you know, I still look back on it and watch some of the videos and, you know, it's, it, it, it brings a tear to my eye. And gosh, I mean, there's, there's so many people who unfortunately didn't catch their cancer and as, as early as I did and, and have to deal with the impacts of that a lot more than I do than just a couple surgeries. And to each and every one of those people, like, you know, I, I, I almost feel like I owe it to them to try to see how far we can take this. Um, Cause man, I mean, yeah, I just I just wish that if, if this wasn't a scourge on on you know the the human race really it's and bringing this back I mean this is one of the reasons why we're so we I, I I talk about it is is that hopefully this this open discourse encourages you know men women anyone to to go to the doctor you know feel something wrong you know, have a, have a headache that just feels a little bit different than the normal headaches or, you know, uh, same with your back or whatever, like maybe you need to go to a doctor and, and, and check it out because, you know, with cancer, like the, the earlier you can catch anything, it, it, the, your prognosis is always better. Absolutely. Absolutely. The fact that you're now not just swimming for you or even for your country, you're swimming for people like you said, who, who may be in worse shape than you from cancer or testicular cancer, um, that, that's going to, that, that's going to open a whole new level of performance, I would imagine, because when you're doing it 
for for others and especially such a, a an important group I, I think it's gonna be fabulous what are your routines or rituals that help might that you could share that would make that have made you successful um yeah so I guess for me I something that came up I think it was maybe out of the 2012 Olympics was and I think it was some book and it was the British cycling team that had had a great performance and they were just talking about marginal improvements. And I think especially as, you know, as you get done going through puberty, you're done. Basically that's, that's free money, right? Going, growing like here, that's just like, you're going to drop time. It's great. It feels awesome. I loved it. But as, as you're done with that, you got to really work on your marginal improvements and, and you can find marginal improvements in almost every aspect of your life. Um, I think, you know, the, the really obvious ones in swimming specifically would be like, make sure every turn in practice is good. What does that even mean? Like having a good, you know, push off and streamline and, and good integrity in that and, and doing the number of kicks that you're, you're aiming to get. So start with three, work up to four or five, and then maybe six, or maybe making sure that you're not breathing off of, you know, your breakouts. Um, these are marginal improvements that you, you have to work on. You have to be very specific about them as you're working through them. And then hopefully after about two, three weeks or so, it, it kind of becomes patterned in your, in your memory. And then you can work on something else, right? And then you can work on, you know, making sure that you're washing your hands or your bubbles and your freestyle as you enter or, or making sure you're having a nice low profile breath. Lots of little, th lots of little things you can, I mean, it's almost an infinite loop because, you know, as you go through everything, every little thing that you want to improve on in swimming in the water, you're probably going to get a little bit lazy on, on something else. And then you can just kind of start the cycle over and, and try to make those improvements in that way. But you can make those improvements outside of the pool too. You know, whether it be diet, I'm not, you know, everybody starts with January 1st and, you know, changing their diet completely. Oh yeah. Wow. This is incredible. I'm going to be so, so good because of this, but then March rolls around and they kind of, you know, revert back to what they're normally doing. But, you know, if you, if you kind of think about it, like marginally, like, I'm going to have a perfect breakfast before every morning practice that I have. I'm making sure that, you know, with my oatmeal, I have some blueberries. So I get some, you know, antioxidants and, and, um, and then, you know, oatmeal, you know, for me doesn't have enough protein in it to, to sustain me through a two hour workout. So I'm going to, you know, have a half scoop of protein as well, you know, and then, and then you make that, make that your breakfast instead of, uh, Fruit Loops, for instance. <laughs> and then after, you know, you're used to that as your breakfast and that kind of becomes part of your routine, then you, then you move on to lunch. Um, then you move on to second lunch because we all know that we actually eat five meals a day. And then, you know, without having to drone on forever, you can, you can do these in, in your personal relationships too, which I think, you know, overall makes you a better human. And, you know, if we're looking at it from a like physiological level, hopefully makes your stress levels go down, improves your, um, improves your recovery, and then you swim faster. So I, I, I definitely believe in, in those marginal improvements and just maintaining like a high level of integrity instead of in everything that you do, instead of like trying to make one drastic jump, um, you know, from one year to, to the next, you know, I'm going to sprint every, every yard or every meter of every practice, you know, that's, that's not really a sustainable change. Yeah, that's that that is awesome. Can you give a specific example of a marginal improvement in relationships? Some little marital counseling here for me and my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, <laughs> I mean, I think uh for instance, I think thinking about yourself as a as a culmination of your community. Um because no one is no one is really like it would be great if some like I, all my success was just me, right? I, I worked so darn hard that, you know, I beat all the odds and all this stuff. I was like, not even close, right? Like I had, you know, my brother and sister who like were both swimmers before me. So like, and you know, the hardest thing to do is, is doing something no one has ever done before. Um, so for those two, they took swimming as far as they could take it. And, and I, I liken it to like, you know, uh, walking through like a, a path in the jungle that hadn't been like, you know, walked through before they they kind of cut this path through the jungle um and then brought me to you know where where i was you know making maybe like nationals um you know because that's how far that's nationals olympic trials that's how far they took it and then then it was on me to take it a little bit further but even with that it wasn't just on me it was on you know my coaches it was on 
my parents who were driving me to and from practice every day. And, and while one was driving me, the other one was, you know, patiently waiting at home for a phone call saying, hey, you know, we're, we're 30 minutes away, start cooking, <laughs> you know, and then and then beyond that, it, it becomes, you know, what we were doing at college and, and, you know, being grateful for my peers who were supportive of, you know, me and, and understanding that I had, you know, goals and aspirations outside of, you know, just trying to swim fast in the collegiate environment and, and respecting that. Um, it's just, it's, it's a collective we, right. And, and that's kind of like how I think that everyone, you know, should probably think about these things because you can't, you just can't do it alone. Right. So it's the humility that comes from knowing that you're standing on the shoulders of all the people who've helped you. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, you know, if, if at, at a certain point, I think it, it still, you know, can help you to try to try to give back to, to be, to be those shoulders. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, you've obviously got an amazing mindset. I rewatched your hundred free win and at the 85 meter mark, you were not going to win the gold medal, <laughs> but somehow you put your head down in the last 10 meters. And I can only imagine what was going through your mind. So can you share like, what mindset, what, what role you think mindset has played in your success and kind of what your, your mindset is in general? What my mindset is in general. I mean, when, when you're, you know, when you're trying to succeed, like what, what, what mindset do you lock into like at the 80, 80 meter mark of a hundred meter free? Uh, execute. I think that's, that's what, that that's the only thing you can do. And, and we, it kind of brings brings me back a little bit to even talking about the the probabilities and and taking a little bit of a probabilistic mindset into into swimming. You know that there's that old like you know the old saying if if you got a lane you got a chance. Yes, like lane one, lane eight. Of course you have a chance. Like it it has happened before. Maybe you don't have as high of a chance as lane four did, who you know maybe set the world record in semifinals or something. But you have a chance, and you have to understand that. In order to give yourself the best chance of succeeding, you have to execute your plan. And there's plenty of days in practice where Dave and our coaches are like, hey, listen, like, we're either going to turn the clocks off or, you know, we're not worrying. Like, we'll give you your time, but success today is not based off of a time. It's how you moved. It's making sure that, you know, we're going to step up, do 100 free off the blocks, and I want you to hit every stroke the way you wanted to hit it. I want you to hit the wall the way you want to hit it and, you know, hit your no breath cycle, you know, where in the pool, you know, and make sure that all of those factors are there. So that again, when we are in a place physiologically to go a best time at the end of the season, that's just automatic in your head, right? So at 85 meters, like I, I knew that it was about time to go to straight arm, you know, so I, got, I had to get some good air, take, take good deep breath and, and, you know, have a nice good body line go straight arm and, and do the best that I can, you know, cause that's, that's the only thing that I can control in that particular moment. <laughs> my body, my muscles were screaming at me, you know, so I had to start using some different muscles that were a little more fresh and it ended up working out. Yeah. In a big way. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. That sort of the statistical approach is like, yeah, you got a chance. And that's sort of the glass is half full too. I love it. Yeah. Very positive. What uh, what are the main like couple of traits that you think champions share? Yeah, you've been around a lot of champions besides being a champion yourself. I think, I mean, number one, we are all so competitive. Really, really, really competitive. I mean, it's, it's uh, it can get pretty intense in, in some card games, in some video games, even in these days, even like, hey, download this new app. It's, uh, it's like a... Gosh, the most recent one was, it's called like Blockadoku. It's like Tetris, but also Sudoku. And you know, <laughs> at, at training camp, we were all playing it. And I think currently Andrew Seleskar has the highest, has the highest score. But, you know, each <laughs> all of us are like, we get really excited when we're like coming close to it or something. So definitely a level of competitiveness. Uh, but also, I mean, there has to be a level of resilience too. Like, like I said before too, we have, you do this long enough, you're going to fail. Something that you don't want to happen is going to happen. And, and that's okay. You know, you only really fail if like, if you don't learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't figure out a way to, you know, try to make sure that doesn't happen again next time. And that's, that's really, I think, 
one of the most important parts of this thing because you have to get up after you get punched. If you don't, then you're, you're going to quit, basically. You know, you're not going to make it to the end of the season. Now we do something that's for just for fun. It's called our sprinter round. Take your mark. So cat or dog? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this one. Yeah. Ah, all right, cat. But I don't believe you. Could, I don't believe that you have to be a cat or dog person. What do you have All right, red or blue? Uh, blue. Of course. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Ooh, ooh, dark chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? Oh, kickboard. I need it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, mountains or beach? Oh, I, uh, beach. And football or baseball? Football iPhone or Android? I'm an iPhone guy. Uh, coffee or tea? I'm drinking coffee, so I'm going with coffee. Okay, okay. Um, night owl or a morning person? <laughs> morning person. A morning person. <laughs> you yeah. had to think yeah. hard about that one. <laughs> I do, right. I do. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of been trained into me, right? Like, it's, it is funny just like you get – Every swimmer gets what two weeks off, a week off, or whatever, and and like once my body totally like gets back to you know living with itself without without really intense training, I I am one of those guys who wakes up pretty early and I'm kind of popping out of bed pretty quick. Cool. All right, this is the last one. We think it's a little sexist, but we ask the women a different question. So, boxers or briefs? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, boxer briefs. Like, <laughs> okay, <lots of> <laughs> well, that's the best answer we've had. That, that is. And I think that's what Jim wears too. That's probably too much information. <laughs> okay, 10. ten yeah, especially because uh... that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Maria's married to my brother. That's okay. Okay, um, these next 10, Nathan, we're looking for super short answers. Just whatever comes to the top of your head. Uh, favorite color? Favorite color? Oh, blue. <laughs> Favorite pizza topping? Uh, mushrooms. Favorite vegetable? Ooh, ooh, gosh, uh, kale. Yes. Ooh, good one. That's mm. a good answer. Favorite swim complex you swim in in the U.S.? Oh. Uh, is this a competition? Because <laughs> no. if it's not a competition, then I'm going to go with the, uh, the ACSC up in uh, Marin County. Nice. All right. Uh, something on your pre-race playlist. Oh, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not always a music guy. Um, I do. I like to kind of, especially at something like Olympics, Olympic trials, like that is, or the ISL recently like the excitement of the crowd and the electricity in the air is it's palpable. And, you know, I feel like I would kind of miss out on that. Um, if I, if I was, you know, deep in thought with, uh, with the headset on. What's your shoe size? Uh, either 14 or 15, depending on the brand. Okay. Any siblings? I do. Yes. Brother and sister, both older. Okay. Favorite star Wars character. Oh, just Obi-Wan, even after the Mandalorian. I like Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a great answer for you. <laughs> uh, can you cook? Uh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Uh, yes. So I'd, I'd say I can follow directions. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. What word comes to mind most when you first dive in the water? Oh. <laughs> that depends on the temperature because <laughs> it can be the most relaxing, most soothing, best thing ever as it has been, or it can, it can be more of a four letter word that I'm not very. You know, <laughs> okay. Obi-Wan wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Nathan, we so appreciate your time. We, we've kept you under 40 minutes, which is great. And uh, we're, we really wish you just all the best with, uh, we'll be cheering for you. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you Absolutely. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, guys. See you. All righty. Bye. Bye. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, 
we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. So, Maria, what an awesome interview, huh? Oh, absolutely. Nathan is an amazing man. Just so fun to talk to. Yes. And one of the things that I really like that we do is we usually do this segment of the takeaways, which we do hear from our listeners is one of their favorite parts of our show. So that's that's really that's flattering. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it it's is, nice. It is nice. Um, but we do it kind of the next day. So we're actually doing these takeaways the next day, which gives us time to digest. And really, we we listen to the interview again, so we can bring you some real nuggets. And again, we don't, there was so much here. I think we came up with eight things and then we, we vote together and we select. So um, <laughs> we, we winnow them down. Yes. We, we do a draft. We're, we're, we're bringing you the best. <laughs> so I'm, we each have two. And uh, Maria, why don't you start with your kind of first overarching one that grabbed you? Okay. So I, I thought Nathan was incredibly uh, reflective. He even said that, that one of the gifts of cancer is that he'd been more retrospective. And one of the things that I thought made him was a, was a particularly wise thing is this idea of having a new challenge for after the current challenge is over. So we've learned that champions have to have focus and you have to be completely focused and, and, and heading towards one clear thing and visualizing it. And that is so important. But what happens sometimes when it's over is we have this, you know, terrible kind of letdown, you know, we have a few days of, 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 of elation. And then it's like, well, what's next? And I think a true champion like Nathan realizes that, you know, everything is going to change. So he, even though he's completely focused on the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and training and preparing for that. He also has this other thing that's out there, the swim school, so that he can, so that when, when the Olympics is over or when his swim career is over, he knows there's something out there that's going to be fun and exciting for him to look forward to. So I think that would be my first champion's takeaway is when you're, when you're shooting for some important goal, also know that there's got to be something beyond that and plan for future happiness by having a new challenge for after this one, the one you're working toward is over. Yes. I think that is so valuable, both in athletics for our swimmers. And, and we've seen many Olympic athletes, they win Olympic gold and then they come back and they fall into, you know, a terrible depression or, you know, some kind of a mental illness or, or just they, they don't thrive. And, you know, it's not, it's not just athletes. Uh, I, I can think of, um, we talk about survivor on the show a lot, which, uh-huh. um, you know, there was a survivor winner. They win a million dollars. They're on top of the world, come back and get depressed. And so, um, I think it's such a great tool in anything. And I'm going to elude this example, you are getting ready to build a house. And I recently built a house, which we've since sold, but it was so many people warned us during the building process. And it was a good long three-year process of building that house that be careful. Now, when it's done, you're going to get post-house building depression, you know, like, so, and, and, and it is because every single day you're consumed with, I'm going to pick the counters and the floors and the windows and the lights and the fixtures, et cetera. So I think it's the same thing when you're building an athletic career, you're really focused when you're building a career, like that they're just, you know, that they're, I love that, that he knows that he's going to need another, another challenge on the horizon and that he's getting it. He even used the term, and I loved it, lean on. And I think that's a good way to think about it because you're going to have to have something after the huge air of, of elation of, of whatever it is that you've accomplished that goes away, pss, 
goes out like a balloon emptying, you're going to have to need something else to lean on. So make sure that's, that's, that's there and ready for you. Yes. Yes. So my first takeaway, and I think it was just for me, it's huge. And he kind of just, he didn't brush over it, but I went in once he mentioned this and I did the background on the research on marginal improvements and marginal improvements. He, he alluded, oh yeah, this happened in 2012 Olympic team with the British cycling team. So that was all he mentioned as far as the reference to how he uses, you know, incremental improvements. You don't have to decide in one practice that you're going to, um, change your flip turn and your start and your stroke and your underwaters, you know, like just 1% a day. So the actual background and story on this is that in 2003, the British Cycling Association had just as described in this um, article was that they had had mediocre performances from the British cycling team for 100 years, just nothing. And they hired a guy named Dave Brailsford. And he came in and he implemented this 1% improvement plan, just, just incremental improvements. And so within the first five years that he took over at the 2008, so five years after at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, they won 60% of the gold medals that were available in cycling. And then I think this is what um, Nathan probably heard about in 2012 at the London Olympics, they even raised the bar and set nine Olympic records and seven world records. And then they continued that into road cycling where the the next year, um, Chris Froome won the uh, Tour de France and went on to win it in 2015, 2016, 2017. So during that 10 year span from 2007 to 2017, British cyclists won 178 world championships, 66 Olympics or Paralympic golds, and five Tour de France's. So this is the most successful run in cycling history, history of the world. And it's, I I know, so that got Nathan's attention. And obviously he's implemented this 1%. And it's actually referenced in the book Atomic Habits. So um, if... You know, Can you give, you, us, give us an example, Kelly, in your life? In my life, I, well, I think it's co- just constantly, I, I think an easy one to reference is being in good physical condition. You know, we're older ladies and um, I think it's knowing that I'm probably decreasing in my flexibility, mobility, endurance by, I don't know, maybe a half a percent a year because you're just aging and you just can't do the things that you used to do. But I think by doing just almost a 1% or just incremental changes of, you know, my muscles are used to swimming a lot. I, you know, I do have some shoulder impingements and some pain. And so I don't swim as much, but I might add, you know, I do this beautiful little seven minute workout that I love on YouTube and, so I think it's just making, for me, it's a physical effort to stay in physical condition. And that's just adding a little bit of something different because my body, I've learned, has gotten used to just, I can't just repetitively go swim 10 100s on 120. Even though that's a good workout, I need to add something different. So I've added yoga, I've added Tai Chi and Qi Gong and little, you know, little hand weights and, and stretching. And then I'm doing, I'm trying this new thing called um, the slow jogging association, which I love. It's, it's, if you Google slow jogging association, it's actually kind of running, but you're, you're more able to talk and you're able to not get your heart rate too high. And so I feel like if you just, you don't have to go out and run a marathon every weekend, but it's that 1% a day of saying, I'm going to do something that's going to keep my body in shape or get my body in shape. I think that's the, the, what I was going to refer to in the Atomic Habits when you asked me that question is there's a beautiful graph that shows 
if you just keep everything the same, you can imagine the graph line. So you've got the line going straight up and then the line going the, uh, the baseline across the bottom and starting at the, the intersecting point zero. If you do nothing or do the, everything the same, you're just going to go right across the bottom. You're just going to skim that bottom rung of the, of the baseline bar. If you do 1% improvement, that line just ekes up and ekes up and ekes up. And after one year, you have, I think, at least in this graph, there's like a 37% improvement, which is significant. I mean, the lines, the difference in where you end up at baseline if you do no improvements or stay the same and where you end up if you just do 1%, I think is is a really powerful thing. And Nathan obviously grasped this and it's really worked for him. Yeah. How yeah, about you, Maria? Do you, can you think of something that you're doing incremental improvements on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to apply that to work, uh, how, how I can look at something a little bit differently and try one little new thing, you know, a week or every two weeks to see if uh, my relationships and my meetings don't run better or my, you know, my maybe increase in sales. We've actually been doing that. We've tried some little things, you know, month by month to see if we can um, improve things. So I think it's a, it's a great rule. I think the point is you don't have to throw everything out and start all over or do something really big. You can just try one little thing or concentrate on one little thing at a time and see some improvement over the long haul if you keep adding those 1% together. So I love that. Yes. Yes. Me too. Very, very, um, good piece of advice. How about your second one? Okay. The second one was, uh, the focus, uh, towards the end, as I said, uh, Nathan's been very reflective and one of his reflections is about community. He, he talked a lot about the people that he, who have helped him and his sense of, of being um, standing on the shoulders of the coaches and his parents and everybody who's ever helped him to become the person he is, to become the winner, the the incredible champion that he is. And so one, I guess w- the mindset is to reflect on your community. And then, and I said, oh, so, you know, you can be, you should be humble. And he said, yeah, but more than that, you should you should also be the shoulders. <laughs> and I just love yeah. that term. I want to be the shoulders for others. Right. And, you know, I'm, yeah. and I can, how can I support the people in my life? To, so how can I, how can I be the shoulders for them? In what ways can I let other people stand out of my shoulders? What can I teach them? How can I help them? I thought that was a really beautiful and truly uh, mark of a champion. Yes, that was, that was a, a great one. Just exactly. And you know, he's doing that. He's obviously, you know, whenever we do one of these shows, we do a theme of, um, you know, what is the theme of this? And he opened his interview by talking about, um, I think he talked about Jason and Dara and Natalie and Michael yeah. and, and all the people those, he's, you know, those are just, those are just a few of the people that he looked up to. And he said, he wants to be even in the front of that before he even, we got into this community. So I think, you know, he's doing that in a lot of ways with his swim school and with, you know, his his work that he's done with the USA Swimming Foundation and just, you know, obviously his cancer work that he's putting himself out there and being an example to people right. with right. cancer. He's, so he's, Yeah, he's being the shoulders for He is being people. the shoulders. And boy, doesn't he have a nice pair of shoulders <laughs> to stand on. Are, I'm not being some... sexist there. I'm just saying he does have some serious shoulders. Yeah. Yes, so he, he can carry, carry the weight. Okay, um, Kelly, what's your final one? My final one is another one that just was just so powerful to me is when I ask him, you know, about his mindset, you know, kind of, uh, I started and I said first in general, but then I really wanted to know when he's, he's head down. And if you're, you know, anything you do in life, the last 20% of it is the hardest part. You know, it's like 80 meters into a hundred meter free is definitely the hardest part. And so when he won gold, I said, what was your mindset during that last 20 meters? Because he literally went from being behind to winning the gold. And he said, execution is the only thing. And I loved that. I loved that he was really 
it, it kind of takes the emotion out of things. It also, it breaks it down into, hey, a hundred meter free is made up of, I don't know how many strokes. If, you know, you're taking 30 strokes down and 30 strokes back, it's made of 60 strokes. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of the 1% rule or the, the minimal um, marginal gains of he broke it down into the last 10 meters and he was talking about execution. You know, he straightened his arm, so he's using a little bit different muscle um, there. And then he's just putting in that execution of what he should be doing to get to the gold. So I really liked that. And and then he he went a little further with that and and tied that into the probabilities and he said if you have a lane you have a chance so i those two were in the same paragraph a little unrelated but i really liked the execution and the probabilities of hey if you have a lane you have a chance and he even tied that a little bit into cancer if you you know if i have a 80 or 90% chance of survival rate then you know that's the probability that i'm going to focus on yeah. Yeah, that's that's that was really excellent. I like the execute too. It, it reminded me that you know, that's the way he was thinking. He didn't give up his brain during that part. He's like, "Okay, what's next? I'm going to execute what I've been practicing." Right. There was no self-talk in there about, "Oh, I'm exhausted. My body's hurting. This guy's really good or I'm tired." You know, it was I need to straighten out my arms and keep my head down. I'm going to take a big breath of air. And, you know, so it was executing things, which is another way of saying he's focusing on the process versus yeah. focusing yeah. on the emotions or the pain. So yeah, that yeah. was huge Excellent. for me. And, and like I said, Maria and I had many, many of these, many, many things. I think he covered a, a wide range with really some great wisdom. And there was many more that we could get out of it. Um, I'm tempted to go there, but I'm not. So <laughs> people have other things to do. I yes. guess. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Well, that was it. Was a great interview um, and uh, some some great takeaways. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, yes. Thanks for being on this journey with me, Marie. I love you. I love you too, Kelly. Bye bye. Bye bye. This week's quote of the week is from Nathan Adrian. I definitely believe in those marginal improvements and maintaining a high level of integrity in everything that you do instead of trying to make one drastic jump from one to the next. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also visit championsmojo.com to learn more.